you're entering the land of bourbon and bad decisions. This is the Tyler Morgan Show on Podbean.com. This is the Tyler Morgan Show live on Podbean.com and the Podbean app or wherever you happen to be listening on demand, whether it be on your favorite podcast app. Or perhaps just, you know, uh, relentlessdaring.com slash podcast. Check it out there. Uh, before I get into it, I got to tell you about coffee. Yes, that's right. Tell you all about the glory that is American Pride Roasters. Now, as you are all well aware, about six weeks ago, American Pride Roasters, which is which was created in the home of Dave Matthews and his wife, Faith, and their trusty dog, Mr. Clarence, it was hit by a tornado and they lost everything. Well, Dave has started to rebuild. He is starting to get back on his feet. He's still running a little on the slow side, but some coffee that I had ordered prior to the tornado finally got roasted, finally made its way here. I haven't had a chance to try it yet. It will be my, uh, it will be my, Drink of choice tomorrow morning. Absolutely cannot wait to try it. And I'm glad that Dave is starting to get back on his feet. So please go to AmericanPrideRoasters.com. Check out their amazing selections of coffee. Now keep in mind, they're not exactly running 100% yet, but they have a facility that they're using. They're starting to roast and they're starting to ship again. So that is all well and good. So be sure to go check them out, support them how you can, and just let them know that, hey, you're praying for them. So if you go there and you do make an order, you know, you get to the uh, special instructions, tell them that you heard about them from the Tyler Morgan Show and that you're praying that their business fully recovers. Again, American Pride Roasters, historically great coffee. All right, so really to get into the thick of it right off the bat, let's talk about 1984. Not the year. It is a glorious year, though. It is the year of my birth. And you, you can't go wrong with the year that I'm born in because, you know, I'm just so awesome like that. But really, we need to talk about the novel by George Orwell. and. I think that this topic would really kind of hit me in a completely different sort of way if I hadn't just finished listening to the audiobook. And well, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, he has declared that we're going to have a ministry of truth. Now, they don't call it the ministry of truth. They call it the Department of Homeland Security's Disinformation Governance Board. They're going to govern over disinformation. Now, some would say I'm being pedantic and I'm just trying to go out of my way to make it sound like something that it isn't. But you're going to have a government agency that tells news agencies, hey, this is true. Hey, this isn't. Okay. How is that not disinformation in and of itself? Because if you have a group that's doing actual journalism, looking into issues and trying to see what's wrong, trying to see what's going on with it, 
And then you have the government step in and go, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, everybody, this journalist over here, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Here is the approved party line that we're going to stick with. And that, that's the narrative you're going to run with. Now, don't get me wrong. We've sort of had that for the last couple years. Now, this whole COVID thing. Oh, you, you had the uh, you had low rent Jimmy Durante out there, aka his eminence, Doctor Monsignor Lord Saint Fauci de Sisi. He was defining what the science is. Not, hey, I'm a doctor. I'm using this medicine, and I'm having these positive effects. No, 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 no. That's just a crackpot. We can't listen to him. I'm the science. If you attack me, you're attacking all science because I'm the science. In the live chat, Kim is asking, what about Cardinal Tobin? Well, Cardinal Tobin, he's the one who determines if constitutionality should be applied or not. And as we know, you know, Cardinal Tobin, he should be the next pope just because, you know, not only is he a religious leader, he has the amazing ability to determine what is or is not constitutional or if we should disregard it or not. It is absolutely insane, but I'm trying to find this. Oh, I don't, I don't know if I can play this on here, but the, the nut job they've, that they have selected to be the truth minister. When I say nut job, holy cow, uh, Fox news. White House correspondent Jackie Heinrich questioned Saki about the board's executive director, Nina Jankowitz, and concerns about her possible bias. Jankowitz, a global fellow at the Wilson Center, they say the Wilson Center. That's shorthand for Woodrow Wilson Center because they're trying to separate themselves from that crazy racist guy as much as they can. But I digress. Jake Woods, a global fellow at the Wilson Center, cast doubt on the Hunter Biden laptop story and praised Christopher Steele, the author of the now discredited dossier attacking former President Donald Trump According to New York Post, quote, there's been some criticism of the person who's been chosen to oversee this board. How can you assuage concerns of people who are looking at this person who's been appointed to this position and wondering if she's going to be able to accurately judge misinformation? Anyways, that is what Heinrich asked. The response? From uh, Low Rent Peppermint Patty is, what can I tell you is that it sounds like the objective of the board is to prevent disinformation and misinformation from traveling around the country. And I don't know who this individual is, so I have no comment on it specifically. <laughs> well, this, uh, this story here from Daily Caller, they've rounded up some of her amazing tweets. From October 22nd of 2020, back on the, quote, laptop from hell, end quote, apparently Biden notes 50 former NATSEC officials and five former CIA heads that believe the laptop is a Russian influence op. Trump says, Russia, Russia, Russia. That's a tweet from her, which now we know that that is not true at all, that those, that many of those, uh, you know, former analysts and national security officials. They were speculating, but they hadn't seen the information, so they really couldn't make a first-hand, 
any kind of firsthand knowledge of what they were looking at. Say, hey, does this sound like it could be misinformation from you? Yeah, it could be. Oh, they just blessed off on it. More tweets. This is from August 7th of 2020. So, this is a quote tweet. But, so what she is quote tweeting, it says, Exclusive, XMI6, Russia desk head, Chris Steele, tells Damian Collins, Charles Creel, and Luke Harding, 1968, why the UK needs to close political donation loopholes to prevent Russian interference. Blah, 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 blah. That is what she quote tweeted. In her quote tweet, she said, this is what she said. Listen to this last night. Chris Steele, yes, that Chris Steele provides some great historical context about the evolution of disinfo. Really? It sounds like you're really good at it. Uh, Heinrich followed up with Jankowitz's recent comments on Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter. She also just recently made some polarizing comments about Elon Musk's Twitter purchase. It's just getting some pushback from critics who are saying that this person may not be the right choice for a board that is run by the Department of Homeland Security. Can you speak to that? Uh, okay, so then uh, Low Rent Peppermint Patties re- answered, I don't have any information about this individual. I can check on more information about the board. And it's, it's absolutely nuts. And concerning Alejandro Mayorkas, I mean, he just, earlier this week, getting his ass reamed six ways from Sunday by Chip Roy about the absolute deplorable way that he has been running the border. It's just, okay, I'm going to actively work to try to get this going here um, because I've, I've got to play this. <laughs> Lady Dice says impeach. Who are we going to impeach? My Orcus? I'd like, like to throw his butt out. That would be awesome. So, if you don't mind, I'm just going to sit here and do some fill while I find uh, this uh, crazy Mankiewicz person. Because, like I said, she has some amazing stuff that she's been doing. And I have to share it with you because this is how crazy she is. So you follow her on Twitter at Wikipedia. Did you do Wik? W I C Z I P E D I A. I'm going to try to find this because, well, she's a. Uh, Kind of a crazy TikTok person. And she's had some amazing uh, stuff that she's done. Which apparently her tweet of it has finally kind of disappeared. But she was trying to do uh, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Except she was rewriting her own words. And it's, oh my God, it's one of those things that just makes your brain melt. I, I said, I'm trying to find it. Do, 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 do. Uh, going through a media here. So Biden's new disinformation are seeing cringeworthy Mary Poppins edition about misinformation. All right. So I'm going to uh, click on this and oh boy. I'm glad I saw that it said something about an ad. That way I can wait for the ad to play. But oh my gosh. The fact that they promote these kind of people. It's insane. And when you have someone who's been as dedicated to spreading their 
own misinformation over the past several years, including saying such crazy things as um, Trump supporters are going to show up at the polls armed and like they're going to intimidate voters and keep people from wanting to vote. Um, no, that didn't happen. And if anyone's showing up with weapons to intimidate potential voters, I'm pretty sure they were liberal Democrats and they were the new Black Panther Party. Oh, which, by the way, even though these guys are on video with cudgels and batons threatening to beat people, trying to turn back voters at a polling place, whose administration was it that didn't prosecute them? Um, it wasn't. I know that didn't come up during the Trump administration. Um, oh, that was the Obama, or that, yeah, it was the Obama administration. Attorney General Eric Holder was like, oh, <laughs> those guys, they were just playing some pranks. There's harmless, harmless people out there just doing their thing. They're not bothering nobody. Uh-huh. All right, so now I've got this kind of queued up. This could be interesting. I apologize, but here we go is really quite ferocious it's when a huckster takes some lies and makes them sound precocious by saying them in congress or a mainstream outlet so disinformation's origins are slightly less atrocious it's how you hide a little idle lie it's how you hide a little idle lie it's how you hide a little idle lie when rudy giuliani shared that intel from ukraine or when tiktok influencers say covid can cause pain they're laundering disinfo when we really should take note and not support their lies with our wallet voice or vote Yeah, I saw that. And that's one of the rules of the Internet. If I saw it or I heard it, I am obligated to share it with all of you. Yeah, this person is bat crap crazy, and she's going to be the arbiter of what is truth. She's going to be. She's going to be the decider of is this real or fake? <laughs> Kim is thanking me for the rest of her IQ points being lost. Uh, Lady Die, she says she needs a drink. Well, you know what? I've got a wonderful glass of Legion bourbon right here with me. So here, I'll have a drink for you. Mmm. That's amazing. Um, yeah. And then we have to wonder how in the world we're supposed to trust anything from the government, we, which naturally we should be disinclined to trust anything from the government as is. Because the government is a, just uh, this giant incestuous blob of bureaucracy. And as anyone who's worked within a bureaucracy knows, bureaucracies exist to protect bureaucracies. And it's absolutely disgusting that we would appoint someone who's that insane to head up a division who their whole thing is to, ah, uh, crap. It's like, oh, look, we are no longer at war with East Asia. We are now at war with Eurasia. Start adjust start adjusting all of these uh all of these old news reels, all of these old speeches, all of these old uh, newspapers to sit because as we know, we are at war with Eurasia and we have always been at war with Eurasia. Forget East Asia. Those guys have been our homies for, since like the dawn of time. <laughs> Kim says, raise your hand if you want to hire men in white coats to gather all the mental patients in DC. Return them to the asylum. Absos Dankin Lutley. And I say I say get all the psychos that are running around in the high and lofty places in DC. Haul them off. And replace them with the crazy people who are living in tent cities around D.C. 
I guarantee that government would be way more effective and make twice as much sense as what we have now. But it, it's an absolute uh, tragedy. Nah, I don't want to say tragedy. It's a travesty. There we go. It is a travesty of a sham of a mockery. It is a travesty mockery. Oh, man. But I, I have another article on that. I came bring myself to read it. It's just the whole idea that we have to have a government agency whose sole purpose is to make sure that, well, everything you're getting told is the truth. I'm, I'm sorry. I am an adult. I have this thing between my ears. It's below my hair and above my teeth. It's called a brain. And I'm pretty sure I know how to use this thing called a brain that resides within my skull. How to critically think and go, huh, that doesn't sound right. Let me cross-reference it. And there's times where I will see stuff. It's like, I want to believe it right away, but I stop. And I go, you know, as, as much as I want to believe that, I need to verify it. Then, ah, shoot. I wanted to believe it, but it's a bunch of hooey. And then I am duty bound as someone who tries to remain honest to go tell people, hey, um, yeah, here's a link that just disproves the whole thing you're trying to uh, trying to insinuate here. It's no bueno. And and the fact that government thinks that we, the American people, are too stupid to figure things out on our own, that should be the most insulting part of it. Kind of like when you get into the uh, voter ID thing. Well, uh, you see, black people just don't know how to get a driver's license or a state ID to verify their identity when they show up to vote. Oh. They, they, they don't know how. Tell me, uh, are you saying that because they're black, they don't know how? Are you saying that black people are dumb? Well, no, no, no. That's not what I'm saying at all. That's not what I'm saying at all. They, they just don't know where to go. Oh, okay. So some of these people have been living in these neighborhoods for 30, 40, 50 years. But they don't know where to go to get an ID. That sounds like uh, the bigotry of low expectations right there. Kind of like when uh, Kamala Harris came out and said that, well, poor rural people, they, they wouldn't know where to go to make a copy of their ID because they don't have any Kinkos or an Office Max. Um, Hold on, hold on. First of all, I'm not going to go to a Kinkos or an Office Max. Because number one, they don't exist anymore. They went out of business like five years ago. Madam Vice President. But here's some places I could go. Living in a small rural community of like 1,800 people. I can go to my local library. They'll make a copy. I can probably go to any of these businesses in town and say, hey, do you have a copying machine? Could you run off a copy of my driver's license real quick? Or better yet, this, this is the mind blower. People who live in rural communities aren't necessarily destitute. They are not necessarily Luddites. I would like to think that because I happily live in a rural community and I like to be connected with the world. And because I do a podcast, I have to have technology to be able to, you know, record my show, edit my show, 
get it uploaded and published for the masses to listen to, I could figure out something as simple as, oh, look, what's that over there next to my wife's desk? That is a printer, scanner, copier. Holy moly. Hey, 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 guess what? My rural, my rural neighbor next door, who's lived there for like 30 years, he's 80 years old. Guess what? He too has a printer, scanner, copier. They're relatively affordable. And unless you're living under a bridge, most people can afford one. Hell, if you if you're living in your car and you you can and you at least have some kind of a job, even if you can't afford housing, you could get a printer, scanner, copier, and a cigarette lighter adapter, uh, in, an inverter that takes your twelve volt car battery. Steps up to 120, and then you can run a printer. You run a little, these little scanners, and boom, you've made a copy of your driver's license. It's not hard. Unfortunately, we live in a society where we, the American people, are too stupid to say, Oh, I don't think that's true. We live in a society that says because of your skin color, you can't figure out how to do something as simple as make a copy of your ID if if you have one. If you don't have one, you sure as hell ain't going to be able to figure out how to get an ID so you can vote because people who have certain skin colors are too dumb to figure it out. It's absolutely insane that we live in this society that allows this kind of garbage to go on. I want to talk to you about Keto Chow. Keto Chow is a small company out of Utah that uses the absolute best ingredients to make the absolute best weight loss products available on the market. Their first goal is flavor. Who wants to drink something as a meal replacer that tastes like crap? Keto Chow understands that this is a hard barrier for a lot of companies to break through. So they have some of the best flavors, cookies and cream, chocolate, vanilla, real strawberry. These are the best shakes I've ever had. I've been using them for a few months now and they are amazing. So go to the link in the show notes, check it out. You can search for recipes on how you can use their Keto Chow products to make amazing foods that taste amazing and help with your weight loss goals. KetoChow.xyz, Keto Made Easy. Drizzly is the leading home alcohol delivery service available. Imagine being able to sit at home, and pull up your smartphone and browse your favorite wine, beer, spirits, and then have it delivered to your home in as little as one hour. Go to drizzly.com or check out the link in the show notes and start shopping today. Not available in all areas. Please drink responsibly. Drizzly.com. All right, getting back into things. So another thing that happened this week that's in this long train wreck of horrible announcements from the Biden administration. Currently, the Biden administration is looking at finding a way to eliminate student loan debt. The, the initial proposal is $1.6 trillion. Now, don't get me wrong. I do believe that there are student borrowers that, due to hard times, found themselves in a position where it is very difficult to pay back their student loans. 
And I have all of the sympathy in the world for people in that situation. They lost a job. They had a catastrophic illness that their insurance didn't fully cover. So they had to pay a buttload out of pocket, whatever the reason. I sympathize with those people. Now, here's where the sympathy stops. When you have a person who just had to go to Harvard, they just had to have that undergraduate and trans-African pansexual women's studies And it costs them like $150,000 for this bachelor's degree from Harvard. And then they're going, oh, I can't find a job. I don't, I can't, I can't afford this student loan. Well, maybe you should have thought about that, Skippy, before you signed that master promissory note. You ever think about that, that maybe when you're asking for all this money to be paid for by someone else, that you might have to pay it back? And and I I understand the whole idea. Well, you can't expect an 18-year-old to understand. Okay, listen, Skippy. When I was 18 years old, my fiance and I, who is now my wife and has been so for the last 19 years, like three weeks before we got married, when we were 18 years old, we bought a house for 50 grand. And we understood we had 30 years to pay off that house. It wasn't hard to make a payment once a month. The problem is You have a bunch of students who rack up ridiculous student loan debt with degrees that are essentially useless, which don't get me wrong, there are certain jobs, if you have a college degree, that will give you a leg up over somebody who doesn't, regardless of what the degree is. We have a person where I work my full-time job. He has a bachelor's degree in biology. But he is our inventory control manager. I'm not sure what biology has to do with inventory control, but... Like I said, he has a degree. I guess that makes him perfectly qualified. But you get these people with dumb degrees that they you don't really learn anything other than a lot of self-indulgent behaviors. And then suddenly you're on the wrong end of not being self-indulged because now you have to pay for this. Well, Like I said, the Biden administration is looking to spend $1.6 trillion. Now, don't be wrong. There is a net good that there will be certain amounts of people who have their college loans either paid off or significantly reduced as a result of that $1.6 trillion. The bad news is these are people that the left hates. The majority of student loan debt is held by people with an average family income of $75,000. And once you get past that, when you get into people who have an average income of like $80,000, those are the families that are making routine monthly payments on their student loans which is good. But then you start looking at, you know, high-end wage earners, upper middle class, lower upper class, 
with significant student loan debt. I'm talking doctors, lawyers, people with their MBAs who work at hedge funds and make a crap ton of money. These people are going to be the ones who benefit the most significantly from paying off $1.6 trillion in student loan debt. Now, now we have to look at um, some of the hidden aspects. Everyone's talking about, oh, it's going to be so good to pay this off. Say, like, okay, I have a question. Should government be going and issuing bailouts to lenders who make risky loans? Because we saw what happened yeah, with the 2008 housing collapse because Freddie May, Freddie May, ha. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. I don't know how Freddie, uh, I don't know how he identifies. He could be a Freddie Mae. You never know. This is a no judgment zone here. No judgment zone. Freddie, if you want to identify as Freddie Mae, and if Sally wants to identify as Sally Mac, then so be it. But when Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae were making Horrible, horrible decisions to issue loans out to people who had no business taking loans to begin with. You know, they were high risk, high risk, uh, you know, consumers. But you have the federal government, you have the federal government subsidizing these home loans through uh, FHA loans, through USDA loans, which I say USDA, those loans are very difficult to come by. I have a friend who worked for the Department of Agriculture, and that was one of the things he did. Your records had to be meticulous. Your business plan had to be meticulous if you were trying to get a USDA loan to start a farm. So those guys, I'm going to give a pass because of the hoops they have to jump through to be able to qualify. Same thing with VA loans. If your credit score is not at a certain point and that property is not in a certain condition, you are not getting that VA-backed loan. But you can always get that FHA loan. You can always get that loan that's backed up by the Department of Housing and Urban Development. They'll give you, they'll help you out with the loan. So it's backed. So then what happens when those loans start defaulting? The government didn't have a choice but to pay them off. So now we look at student loans. How much of our student loan debt in this country is backed up through a government-subsidized loan or a government-secured student loan, whether it be a Stafford loan, whether it be whatever? Basically, the United States government has told you know, the, uh, the lending agencies that, hey, if you give this person the money and they short you and they, they default and they don't pay it back, we guarantee that we will cover it. Well, one of the hidden stories that you really haven't seen a lot of is the number of students who are, in fact, defaulting on student loans. That's why uh, during COVID, stopping uh, stopping payments or freezing payments on federally backed loans became such a hot button issue. Lady Di is asking, where is the princess? The last I checked, he is in Lithuania. He said, last I heard he was in Lithuania off doing Navy things. So good on him. Prayers are with you, Chief Petty Princess Guy. Um, anyways, I've been successfully distracted. 
So student loans have already been defaulting. So when the federal government issues this $1.6 trillion, yes, there will be that side benefit of uh, American taxpayers with student loan debt. They will get part of their debt, if not all, canceled. But it's not just like the federal government has a uh, it has a ledger of their money because they lent it and they can just go scratch that out and make it zero. No, 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 no. The Fed will print $1.6 trillion. Hello, inflation. Yet some more. And then they will take that $1.6 trillion and they will give it to these private lending institutions that are sucking because they made very bad loan decisions in who they gave money to. And then they basically it becomes a bailout, not for student, not for student loan holders, but for the banks that issued them. And that is where the biggest grift in all of this is from. How many private lending institutions, whether it be your local hometown bank, that you went there, you said, I want to go to college, I want to take out a loan, here's my FAFSA, they process, they process your FAFSA, and then, oh, look, you qualify for this Stafford subsidized loan. Sweet. Your hometown bank is getting it. Or if you're like in Missouri, where almost every loan goes through this lovely organization called Mohila, Mohila is going to get a crap ton of money thrown at it, and any solvency issues they might be having is suddenly fixed. So, it's just absolutely nuts that we have to deal with that. The idea that giving money to private lenders to cover their losses. Didn't we learn with the housing bubble about predatory lenders? Because Mohila will be like, oh, this person has no business going to, you know, taking out a loan to go to college. Well, the government's going to back it up. So we'll issue the money. And because government backs up those loans and willing to issue the money, and therefore, lenders are now able to, oh, we can give you a little bit more than you're asking for. And suddenly, those darned universities, they get all sneaky and go, hey, you know what? I've got an idea. Let's raise our tuition. Let's charge them for books. We'll have them buy an eating plan and pay for their dorm room. All with their student loans. And then you they send that money into the lending agency. They tell Uncle Sugar, hey, uh, this is how much they're asking for. You got it? Yeah, yep. Uh, you're covered. It's absolutely insane. We, like I said, we saw this with the housing bubble. But now Student loans have become a bubble. It's all because the same reason why the housing market became a bubble, government interference. Government backs the money. The uh, lending agencies become a little bit more liberal in how they're going to disperse funds to potential students. And because money is just flowing from all sides, colleges raise their tuitions. And it becomes this big revolving circle of we raise tuitions. So now we have to give you more student loans. And the federal government is going to say, hey, don't worry if they can pay it back. We got it. We got your back. Insanity. But. Got a couple more 
things that I want to mention here. Um, you got to talk about Bill Maher. I know conservatives, we've really been talking about Bill Maher a lot. Not because he's suddenly been red-pilled and I see the light and all the choirs of angels making all the noise. No, 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 none of that. He's a guy who, from his point of view, he sees stuff that is dumb. Where even the cognitive dissonance of being such a huge libertine liberal that he is, he looks at it and goes, okay, this is stupid. Which we should all be that way. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle politically you are on. If you see dumb, you should call it out. But recently, uh, Babylon B. Well, they basically doing what the Babylon B does. And apparently I've lost this article. Babylon B made a tweet directed at Twitter. And Bill Maher, of all people, came to their defense. Trying to find the article here. Hold on. This has been a rough night for trying to keep articles pulled up. All right, so... Yeah, Bill Maher defends Babylon B against Twitter while his leftist guests go out of their way to miss the point. What a shocker that is. Uh, Bill Maher is not her friend. But the one area where he has always been, there's always been agreement is when it comes to free speech. He attempted to lead discussion about the topic as it pertains to Elon Musk buying Twitter. His two leftist guests, Democrat Senate, former Democrat Senator Doug Jones and current MSNBC stooge Ali Velshi insist on sticking to the anti-free speech talking points they were given. Mar brought up the Babylon Bee. The Bee's account is still suspended because they made fun of a, a Biden administration official who has a wife, two kids, and a penis. And congratulations to Rachel Levin, by the way, for winning Babylon Bee Man of the Year. Their EIC, Kyle Mann, shared a video making fun of overly sensitive Twitter employees. A Twitter employee marked the video as sensitive content. Babylon B got flagged for a funny video. Sensitive content, Twitter said. In the video, they were making fun of Twitter for being too sensitive. And it's absolutely crazy. Let's see if I can find the whole Bill Maher thing. This has a link to YouTube. Kind of scared to click it because I don't know what's going to be. Oh, it's Velshi airing weekend weekend mornings. Ali Velshi is over here. Ali, great to see you. And he's the former Democratic senator from Alabama who was recently the White House nomination advisor. for legislative affairs, guiding the confirmation of Katenji Brown-Jackson on the Supreme Court, Doug Jones. Okay. So, let's talk about Twitter and free speech, shall we? And Elon Musk, you know, we're all in the media of some way. Uh, the CEO of Twitter, well, maybe not any longer, <laughs> but he was. He said, our role is not to be bound by the First Amendment. Now, Let's just start with, it is a private company. Mm -hmm. They can do whatever they want. Okay. Let's, let's get past that. Yep. That's a Dodge answer. Yeah, what, what Musk is saying is, but it is de facto the town square, and some sheriff could, should come in and say, what good is the First Amendment if we're the place where people are really talking, they can't talk? You think that's a valid argument? 
Doug knows more about the, the, <laughs> the legality of it. He's right. And I think everybody needs to get over the fact that the First Amendment does not apply uh, to Twitter. This is not government censorship of anything. I think what we do have to worry about, what Elon Musk, who's a really great thinker and is really moving the needle on some important things in life about electric cars and about yeah. going to Mars, I think what he needs to think about is our democracy, which is struggling at the moment, relies upon an informed electorate. And that's always been a problem for us historically, but social media is not helping us become a more informed electorate. So there's a responsibility even by a private company or private actors to say, am I making a bad situation worse? And how do I get you that town square that is so valuable without wrecking society? And I think Twitter could have a serious conversation with itself about that, asking Facebook. Yeah, so Ali Velshi immediately jumps on the, Oh, well, you know, uh, you know, we just can't have people saying what they want. Well, again, what's the point of having it be a de facto town square if you're not going to allow someone to come in and go, okay, you over here, you're being a racist, get off the platform. You over here, you're threatening people, you're off the platform. Did, dude, did you just dock somebody? Get off the platform. Stuff that anyone can agree, okay, we can't use the platform for this. Let's back it off. But everything else should go. Yeah, if someone calls you a mean name and it's not, you know, a violation of hate speech or anything like that, hate speech rules, then okay. Guess what? Someone just said something mean to you. Get over it. Uh, a wise man once said, you can only be offended if you choose to be offended. Damn it, Doc. But the end of the day, you know, like I said, that's Ali Velshi. See what the rest of these knuckle butts have to say. Well, yeah. Yeah. No, you know, I'm all for the First Amendment. Everybody, all Democrats are for the First Amendment, for goodness sakes. But Russia. It's, that is a former senator. We're all for the First Amendment. But if you say you're all for something, but. Then are you really all for something? Doug Jones. It's like, it's like the person, hey, I would tell it, hey, I, I know I'm going to say he's going to come off as a little racist, but no, 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 no. If you're saying it might sound racist, but it's probably racist. Hey, I'm all for kids running off and getting married at 18, but well, are you really? If you're having to issue a caveat in the statement, that you know sets your that sets boundaries, then you're really not all for it. You're partially for it. But I digress. Hots do not have a First Amendment privilege in this country or on Twitter. Period. In the discussion, and that's the biggest right. problem. It's not. It's not. It's I think not we can true. all agree it's on that. Arguing. On let's Twitter. just. Let's just at least. Be who you really are. Yeah, exactly. Right. But that's not really where the argument is. The argument to me is like, has Twitter failed in setting themselves up in the past as the judge of what can go out there? And I would say, yes, <clears throat> you have. You failed when you threw the New York Post off of Twitter for talking about Hunter Biden's emails. And it turned out that was a real story. Right. You failed when you said we couldn't read about whether... COVID had come from a lab. You failed. Did you read about this Babylon Bee? Do you know what the Babylon Bee is? I didn't know this. No. It's like the Christian version of the onion. Because <laughs> everyone needs that. Well, some people do. I thought that was not all news. you and me, okay? It says, your trusted source for Christian news and satire. I didn't know there was such a thing as Christian satire. I thought the religion itself was satire. That's me. 
I'm not everybody. Okay? I'm not everybody. Have a little humility, right? right? So listen to this. They got flagged for, they posted a funny video. This is funny to them. Okay. Sensitive content, Twitter said. In the video, they were making fun of Twitter for being too sensitive. <laughs> this is so through the looking glass. And here's what happens in the video. This woman who, going into the Twitter building, this is, you know, parody. This is what people do on television and have done forever. Okay, she's complaining to HR about how sensitive Twitter is. And the guy shows her an ink blot, and she keeps seeing Hitler in all the ink blots. <laughs> okay, then she runs screaming out of the building because she's... This is sat. This is right. well within what satire has always been, and the fact that they flagged this for being insensitive shows their complete lack of self-awareness about what their own problem is. If that's where the line is, you have failed, Twitter. You yeah. do need a new show. Yeah. It's your post or whatever. Yeah. Um. Thank you, Bill Maher, for putting Twitter in their place. I never thought I would say that. You know, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of that, fan of, that, of his comment that I thought Christianity's the religion or the religion of Christianity was satire, but that's just me. That may have been a little over the line, but that's who Bill Maher has always been. He's always going to attack religion. It doesn't matter, you know, whether it's his Jewish roots. You know, he identifies culturally as a Jew, but he doesn't practice Judaism. He's going to attack Islam. He's going to attack Buddhists. He's going to attack everyone who holds a religious belief. That's who he is. But the fact that he comes out and says, Twitter lacks the self-awareness about their own sensitivity issues that they label a video making fun of their sensitivity issues as sensitive content, it, it, it's mind-blowing. So again, I just got to say, thank you, Bill Maher. You have been absolutely awesome on this and on free speech issues for the last several years that, pardon me, for the last several years, even when Donald Trump was in office, you don't like Donald Trump. But there were times you come out and say, you know, he's might actually be onto something here. That's intellectual honesty. When you can look at something you don't agree with and say, you know, I think they've got a point. For a long time, I used to have issues with people. Ah, the war in Iraq, the war in Afghanistan, bad, blah, 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 blah. And then I went to Iraq and Afghanistan. And then I let it have a few years to really kind of simmer and stew and and kind of you know, reflect on what our missions were, were when we went in and what our missions were now. And going, yeah, you know what? Early on, I could understand and I could even get behind the idea of going in. You know, Saddam Hussein, you know, the idea that he's trying to get weapons of mass destruction, sure, trying to, trying to, you know, build nukes and get uranium, build dirty bombs. And, you know, in the past, he has used massive amounts of sarin gas to kill his own citizens. You know, the, uh, the Kurds up, up north. The fact that he used sarin gas on the Iranians during the Iraq-Iran war. Okay, this dude is a turd who should be flushed. I could get behind that. But then when we started nation building, we went from we have a clear goal and a clear outcome to this kind of nebulous go win the hearts and minds and let people realize how great democracy is, even though that is not something culturally they wanted to do. Same thing with Afghanistan. We went in there. It's like, we're going to get the sons of bitches who backed. Uh, I almost said Barack Obama. <laughs> oh, my God. Boy, would that have got me hurt. Got me, uh, got me in trouble. 
go in there and we get the sons of bitches who backed Osama bin Laden that allowed him to have his terror training camps that turn a blind eye to all the stuff going on. We're going to go get them. And then it turned into this nebulous win hearts and minds and nation building. And far too many Americans shed their blood. Far too much American money was spent for what turned out to be a fool's errand. It took me a long time to come come to that acceptance, that realization. But it makes me more intellectually honest when I can say, okay, at the beginning I was for it, here's why. But then as it shifted from the mission being X, Y, and Z over to one, two, and three with these with these goals, and we've abandoned what we started, I couldn't support that anymore. It's just like Bill Maher saying, yeah, these Christian people are crazy. I don't, I don't like how they feel. I don't like what beliefs and traditions they hold. But when their satire site points this out and then they get smacked around for it, it I have to support them. Thank you, Bill Maher, for having the intellectual honesty that Ali Velshi and a former senator who said, I'm all for the First Amendment, but sat there and would not accept even from you. All right, that's going to wrap up the show for this week. Again, those of you who join me live on Podbean.com and the Podbean app, hanging out in the chat room, bantering back and forth until my audio stopped feeding. I was hoping this new internet would fix that issue. Apparently, it decided that after about 40 minutes, it was done. Need to take a nap. I'm sorry. But those of you who are listening on demand on podcast or tuned back in, just just remember what I said earlier in the show and then to hear the rest of it. Thank you so much for listening. Again, if you are listening on the Apple iTunes or anywhere else that allows you to rate and review, please, please, please hit that subscribe button on your platform of choice. Once you have done that, please then rate the show. I'm looking for five stars. I'll accept four. Three and below, we need to have a talk. I'm just saying. It's not me. It's you. It's just how it is. Once you have rated, once you have rated it, please write a review. Tell people what you like about the show and why you like the show. That way, as more listeners begin to discover the show, they can scroll through those reviews and go, "Oh, oh, people, people generally like this show. It's great. It's awesome. Cool. Whatever." Then finally, please share this show. If you have a friend who's like, "Hey, you know what? This guy thinks like you. He understands your frustration. Check him out." Send it to them. Hey, know how you're asking about that thing? I really didn't know. He just did an episode about it. Here, check it out. Hey, I know you hate everything conservative and everything that, you know, reeks of Ronald Reagan and possibly even some kind of, you know, anarcho-capitalism. I'm going to send you this just so I can piss you off. I'm willing to do that. I will be a tool for aggravating your crazy liberal friends because hate and discontent are great things that need to, we need to have more of in the world. So again, thank you for listening. Um, if you want to support the show, please, at, re, at relentlessdaring.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page. You will see the Donate Now button for PayPal. There you can accept a one-time or recurring donation. And keep this show on the air. Or maybe you say, yeah, I'll buy him a cup of coffee. Well, there's a link for that too. Or you can go to ko-fi.com. That is ko-fi.com slash Tyler Morgan Show. And again, there you can buy me a cup of coffee. You can put me on a subscription service to buy me cups of coffee. Either or. 
All that money goes into keeping this show on the air and to buying new equipment, upgrading software, stuff like that. All the, all the good things that keep the show going makes it a better listening experience for you, my lovable listeners. Again, thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay relentless. The Tyler Morgan Show is a relentless daring media production. The Tyler Morgan Show is supported by its listeners. To support the show, go to ko-fi.com slash Tyler Morgan Show to donate there or RelentlessDaring.com and hit the donate button at the top of the page to set up your donation. All music used in the Tyler Morgan Show is used with permission from PurplePlanet.com. Link in the show notes. 2 Timothy 1-7